Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and all small businesses. We're the people that will grow the economy. We're the people that will create the new jobs. We're the people that will change the economic futures for ourselves, our employees, the country, and our kids. And we all need to embrace entrepreneurship and do whatever we can to kickstart the economic recovery and build high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are suitable for the 21st century. Here we are in Los Angeles. Great weather, as usual. A little smoggy from the big forest fires out in the um, St. Gabriel Mountains. But nevertheless, a beautiful day for doing business. Now, the fact that 97% of all businesses go out of business in the first 10 years is an appalling statistic that we need to address. Now, it's not the project or the lack of funding that causes companies to fail. It's a lack of dollars through the door. The only reason you fail is because you don't make enough money. And that that comes down to, and we spend too much money. So that comes down to the fact that, you know, what kills 72% of all business failures is lack of business skills. And you know, most entrepreneurs don't want to acknowledge that. It's easier to blame lack of venture capital, the weather, a bad economy, the election cycle, or even an ingrown toenail than look in the mirror and blame lack of business model, lack of a good business plan, lack of leadership, management, HR, marketing, finance, operation, or sales. They're the things that are causing most failures. The world's awash with investment money. I have um, small businesses and startups coming to me all the time saying, there's no money out there. Well, there is. There's stacks of it. You know, I have uh, investors saying to me all the time, it's not a lack of money, it's a lack of great projects. And that's not really true. It's a lack of great projects presented well to investors so that they become interested. But this is all about entrepreneurs, this show. And you might remember that last April, Kane Monroy built a cardboard arcade at his father's motor parts store in Los Angeles. I think we all remembered it. It was on all the news. We discussed it on the program at length when we first became aware of Kane's Arcade. Now, Kane's Arcade became a viral phenomenon when the video about the inventive nine-year-old in his cardboard arcade was uploaded on YouTube and very rapidly garnered over three million views. Now, Kane, nine years old, became a worldwide phenomenon and this young entrepreneur has gone from strength to strength. Kane has now spoken, 
Cain has now spoken at the USC Marshall School of Business. The youngest entrepreneur ever to speak there. And a hell of a lot of well-known entrepreneurs have preceded him. He's nine. He went up to Sacramento and got the Latino Spirit Award. His arcade was taken up to Exploratorium in South, in San Francisco. He also went to the Maker Fair and led a workshop with kids, teaching kids how to make their own cardboard games. And they've started a foundation, the Keynes Arcade Imagination Foundation. Now, the world's opened its heart up to this little kid, and people have donated enough money to send Cain to college if he wants to go. Now, if you are not familiar with Cain's Arcade, go to YouTube and look up Cain's Arcade, C-A-I-N-E-S, Arcade. It is unbelievable. Now, and every weekend, the arcade is open, and it's a super fun festival. Kids come, they bring games they've made, they share them with Kane. Parents come, there's buskers, there's food, there's all sorts of stuff at an arcade built by a nine-year-old. It's a great place to hang out and be inspired. Everybody in the neighbourhood is really proud of this kid and justifiably so. Now, Kane's YouTube video has inspired kids to put down their Xboxes and pick up the cardboard box that it came in and start building stuff. How fantastic's that? The Goldhurst Foundation is matching every dollar that's being donated for Kane's scholarship fund to start the Kane's Arcade Imagination Foundation, which will help find, foster and fund creativity and entrepreneurship among kids. They're also developing a pilot curriculum with 60 schools currently in six countries and they're building with cardboard, all inspired by Kane, a nine-year-old entrepreneur. I don't want to hear anything from 20 and 30-year-old entrepreneurs saying how hard it is. You know, you've got to be inventive, you've got to be imaginative and you've got to really try and you will succeed. Now, Kane's a great example to all parents to encourage the entrepreneur in your kid. Now, Kane's father gave him space in the store, and when Kane would need prizes, they'd trot off together to the dollar store. And when he said he wanted a cash register to cut collecting money, his father got one from a junk shop. Kane's father was right behind him, powering his kid's imagination. We people, who, we successful business people need to get behind entrepreneurs everywhere and help them all we can and help them build a successful business. Now, you know, Kane's father was initially embarrassed by the arcade. You know, he's there to sell auto parts and people would come up and Kane would ask them if, you know, if they had a nickel to play in his arcade. And he wasn't sure what people would think, but he didn't interfere. His son came first and, you know, it's a fantastic story about a dad giving his kids space and encouragement. They're now developing a film on Kane's Arcade. I look forward to that. I love this story. 
Now, Kane's recently gone to France, where he was the youngest speaker ever to appear at Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. He's a speaker. He's nine. <laughs> Other speakers at the conference included Bill Clinton. Now, it appears that Kane's adventures are only just beginning, and you can follow the progress of Kane's Arcade and the Kane's Arcade Imagination Foundation on Facebook. Now, Kane's story is the reason that this program supports entrepreneurs. They are great for Australia financially, and they are fantastic inspiration for us and great for us emotionally. So if you've enjoyed success in business, go find yourself a cane that you can support. Mentor them. Spend money with them. Praise them to your friends and open up your contact base to help them. You know, here at Bob Pritchard Business Radio Show, we get lots of emails asking about the effectiveness of email marketing. So did a bit of research, went to my favourite source at Time Magazine Online, and I found that according to eMarketer, US companies are spending about $64 billion a year on TV, $34 billion on print ads, $39 billion on internet advertising. And how much are they spending? That's about $150 billion roundabout. And how much are they spending on email? Forrester suggests it's only about 1% of that, only about 1.5 billion. Of course, you know, compared to the cost of other media, email messages are absolutely dirt cheap. With email, there's practically no costs at all. This makes email marketing, in my view, the most cost-effective advertising method available today. Email, it also beats the competition from a measurability standpoint. With TV and print, you don't know who's watching your ads or who takes action. And with direct mail, you can't be sure that it's even been delivered, far less opened. But with email, you know which messages have been opened, by whom, what links they clicked on, and what part of your message is working. So you can change your message if you want to. Now, a properly constructed email message provides benefits to both marketers and consumers. And because of the electronic links, those who open your emails can do their own research. They can explore and see the products you sell. They can see the colours. They can see the sizes. They can read ratings and reviews. And they can put products in their shopping cart and buy them. Now, although shopping cart sales through emails are seldom more than about 5% of total sales, and this is an argument that non-email um media vehicles use, emails do create impressions that lead to sales through other routes. Many of these routes can be tracked, such as printing a coupon, taking it to a store, sending an abandoned shopping cart email, because they usually yield about 30% of lost sales. Now, email recipients also buy the product at a mall. They order by phone or they purchase later. Emails actually prompt the same kinds of behaviour as TV or print advertising. There's also an off-email multiplier, like there is with all advertising. For every purchase in an email shopping cart, we can assume that there are some, a whole bunch of other non-tracked profitable purchases that occur because people receive that email. 
So if you're going to make a case for investing more heavily in email marketing, you've got to determine this off-email multiplier for all the sales your email can expect to generate. So recently, a retailer with 900 stores did a great study. It took a group of 105,000 customers in its Loyalty Club database, divided them into three groups of 35,000, and marketed to the three groups differently. To one group, they emailed and direct mailed. The second one, they just emailed. And the third one, they only direct mailed. And then they tracked all these purchases through the loyalty program. Now, all three had approximately the same response rate. But direct mail costs about a 100 times more than email. The retailer was also able to calculate that for every email shopping cart sale, they received nearly four other sales due to the email, and these are sales that are not usually tracked. And been a number of other studies that suggest that the multiplier is between two or three. So once you factor in your off-mail multiplier, email will beat all of your other marketing methods in terms of return on investment. The key, of course, is the message that you deliver. So... Obviously, I'm sitting here just been watching the Democratic Convention. There's obviously a lot of things that we as a society need to work on to improve the income and unemployment situation in our workforce and also to reduce the debt. One of our absolute priorities, and this hasn't come through from either party, must be to assist entrepreneurs to become much better business people. We are an amazingly creative country. We have millions of ideas that need to be fostered. We have eager investors ready to support entrepreneurs that can properly articulate their project and its financial future. What we don't have is the education process in the areas of leadership, management, human resources, marketing, finance, operation and sales. And these are the reasons that companies go broke. So if you're in a successful business, Reach out to entrepreneurs, give them a helping hand. They're going to determine the future, not only for our generation, for also our children's future. I gave two speech presentations this week to business audiences, and people want me to talk about differentiation. You know, the only way you can be successful and make really strong margins and not have to compete on price, which is a recipe for disaster, is to strongly differentiate yourself. And don't forget, you can create a strong differentiation even if your product or service is exactly the same as all your competitors. So I'll talk about that next week. Most businesses fail to a large extent because their marketing and advertising simply doesn't bring in enough customers. Today, I'm very fortunate to have as my guest Keith Chambers, who is a mate of mine, and he is an American advertising superstar because this issue advertising and sales is so important to every business today i'm only having one interview instead of two i'm bob pritchard and i will talk with keith immediately after this short break When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the show where we talk to the most successful people in their field right across the country. Today, it's my pleasure to talk to Keith Chambers, who's one of the leading exponents of the advertising and marketing business. I've got to say that I saw uh, Keith give a presentation at Metal, um, I guess several months ago now, and it was phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's practical, sensible advice that works for absolutely everybody. The guy's a legend, and um, I think you'll find him very interesting. Now, Keith's the founder and president of the Chambers Group, and he believes that free enterprise is basically war. And if you don't believe this, you're likely to become one of its casualties. Keith's innovative techniques and successes have kept his clients from becoming casualties for over 30 years and have made him one of the nation's leading marketing consultants for Fortune 100 brands. Keith has driven marketing campaigns for more than 160 major companies such as Arm & Hammer, Coppertone, Clorox, General Mills, Dole, Frito-Lay and heaps and heaps more. Keith built up a successful design studio creating packaging for leading brands before expanding his services to include naming and positioning and has been growing his unbelievably successful marketing agency for over three decades. A turning point came in 1988 when Keith created the brand Sega Genesis and by its second year Sega Genesis was exceeding 500 million in sales. Now, Keith brought originality to his marketing approach. Rather than develop a marketing concept and measure the consumer response, 
Keith consults the consumer first and works backwards to make sure their needs are met. And if he's not busy enough, his proudest achievement is a relationship with his sons, Brandon and Eric. Together they've established Chambers Brothers Entertainment, which has developed a long list of shows, including Spike TV's The Ultimate Gamer. And they're currently in production on the first of two feature films, the first one, Cheech and Chong's Smokin' Animated Movie. Bloody hell, that's, that's a pretty good career when you look at it. Keith, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. It's great to thank catch you, up Bob. with you again. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I love your show. You're a pretty busy guy. We are, you know, and you mentioned the Cheech and Chong uh, animated movie. We just uh, just signed a deal with uh, 20th Century Fox. They're going to distribute globally. Fantastic. That's great. So which is more fun, advertising and marketing or um, being a, making movies? Boy, what a great question. Well, movies are a little more fun because Brandon and Eric, my two sons, for the most part, manage the uh, you know the development and the, and the production of all of that of all of that work. So I just get to have the fun part of that one. When it comes <laughs> to the marketing, I get the headaches along with uh, with the glory. Right. I think I, I met your sons at Metal. I'm 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 sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So how do how do you describe the kind of marketing that you do? Well, I, I've, I've set myself aside a little bit, uh, as you know, I, you know, and I know you're the uh, master at this yourself. Is that, you know, if you want to be successful at anything, you've got to, you have to constantly set yourself aside from your competition. Absolutely. And how I did that uh, was that uh, back in the back in the early days. You know, I was what's you know what's pretty commonly referred to as a marketing consultant. So that means you develop marketing plans and business yeah. plans, and for the most part, you you could function in all the different you know varieties of things that your average product manager did. You could replace him in any of those areas. Yeah. And so you know, for the most part, generated you know a lot of paperwork, important paperwork, but it, nonetheless paperwork. Well, I not only do that, but then I consider myself a creative marketing consultant, and I distinguish that word creative essentially meaning that we also do the execution. So uh, a typical launch of some kind for us, like when we launched the Claritin Ready Caps, and we created the strategy to launch the Claritin Ready Caps, and then we also designed the packaging, the graphics, and all the words and so forth in order to carry it out. And that's the way it would look like, you know, for a consumer product of some kind if it were you know, it could also be, uh, you know, executed in a print ad or a TV commercial or whatever. Right. But that's how we sort of distinguish essentially what we do. So in the new marketing paradigm, what role does advertising play? Well, advertising, I find advertising interesting. It's sort of, you know, uh, it, has, it carries a lot of glory with it. But at the same time, what I've discovered is that essentially, you know, two things have to be present in order to be successful. Now, there's a lot more to a marketing mix, but sure. fundamentally, if you don't do these two things, you're not going to be successful. Number one is develop a really compelling sales message, a selling proposition. Yeah. And number two, then, is to get uh, to get uh, the, an adequate number of exposures to your target consumer in order to be successful. Those two things must be present. That second thing, of course, incorporates advertising. And advertising, it could be advertising or, you know, what we generally refer to as promotion. In this day and age, that has become really quite complicated because, as you know, you know, the Internet, the social marketing yeah. and so forth have really taken the advertising industry and turned it upside down. I have a good buddy 
who owns a, an agency in New York, and uh, he he has asked me to you know to spend time sitting down with him to see if 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 I could be you know a vital component in the work that he and his group are doing toward trying to you know crack the code on how do you how do you how do you promote and how do you advertise products in an effective way on the internet this day and age? I think ultimately there'll probably be many ways that are developed, but at this moment, I don't think anybody's really cracked the code. Yeah, I, I gave a speech um, earlier today where uh, it's amazing how many people in the room are focusing, essentially saying, "Look, newspaper advertising and radio." Advertising doesn't get me any results, but I am getting good results from from social media. So there has been a change, and and people are cotting cottoning onto it. But it's difficult. Yeah, I agree. So, so given this incredible track record of yours, what are the most important contributors to your personal success? What what's what's made you who you are today? We did we did two things, Bob, and and kind of going back here a little bit to that previous thing that I said. For the most part, you know, of those two functions that I mentioned, in order to be successful, the one that we fulfill most commonly is you know developing that critical sales message or that selling proposition. About I would guess, wow, maybe maybe as long maybe as far back as nine or ten years ago. We, we did one thing that really made a big difference and that is, is that we, we deconstructed the selling proposition or the sales message somewhat in the same way that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the world's greatest scientists have deconstructed the atom, you know, yeah. and, and sure. you know, that whole, that whole, CERN Collider, the, you know, the large CERN yep. Collider, yep. Uh, that whole thing about breaking atoms apart and, and when you look at the pieces and then watching how the pieces interact with each other, well, we did the same thing. We took all that marketing terminology that all of our clients use, you know, over a period of time, you know, brands and sub-brands and generic descriptors and benefits and attributes and all those things, sure. and we kind of lined them up and we started looking at them that way. In other words, we, we broke the selling proposition apart and started looking at it and it's been and pieces on that component level. Sure. Then the second thing okay. that we did, which ultimately turned out to be of extraordinary value, is we developed a technology, an electronic technology, where we'll have 24 target consumers sitting in a room behind computers, and we have a very clever way of taking all of that broken down information and putting it back together or reassembling it into a powerful selling proposition using those target consumers. Okay. And that has, that has propelled us, for the most part, ahead of our competition. It, it brings with it, you know, other problems, you know, because for the most part, you know, you know how people are, and, and, and marketers are no exception to this. The marketing people that we work for who understand what we're doing, you know, are great clients. The yep. ones that we don't work for who don't understand that process or what we're doing uh, are not, you know, are not quick to, you know, necessarily quick to adapt to it. But that's, that's, that process has been what's accelerated our organization ahead. And that, that also takes the, um, you know, one of the problems that I've always found with focus groups, not that I believe in them much anymore, but I used to, um, it, it, is people tend to dominate a focus group and dominate the discussions and or even just through force of personality, even if they just because they sound authoritative and people tend to follow them and so you get a skew. Um, your your process sounds like it, it um, eliminates that bias. 
Yeah, it it completely eliminates it, and and I, you know I've run into an interesting thing around focus groups, Bob. I bet you have the you have as well, and that is is that that, that senior management has a tendency will have a tendency to tell you just before a project goes out the door. Uh, that let's say there's let's say there's one sort of an unanswered question. Now, let's say that the project has been researched. As, you know, as thoroughly as it could possibly be researched, and we're ready to go. But senior management will say, let's just do another group and see what they think about the yada yada, which is this sort of like a new thing that just kind of came up or a new yeah. idea that just came up. And don't worry, we won't pay any attention. <laughs> and of course, they do pay attention. They do, yeah. You know, do pay attention to that one bird, you know, who says something and the rest of them follow. So I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think uh, focus groups can be very dangerous. And I, one of the things I've noticed is that my clients have had a tendency more recently to use interviews as opposed to focus groups. Yeah. So you'll sit there all day long, you know, instead of being in one focus group or two focus groups, you'll sit there all day long. And it'll be one interview after another after another. And it's a one-on-one interview with the, you know, with the, the, your typical focus group moderator and then, you know, yeah. one respondent. She, well, just, before I get back on to Anna, what's the one ingredient in Keith Chambers that makes him successful? What's the one big driver in your life that gets you up in the morning and gets you to want to go out and kill him? Makes me want to go. So that one thing that kind of motivates, is that what you mean? Yeah. What drives you? You know, I, I've been in this business for a long period of time. Yeah. And somehow I've never got tired of winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. I'm, I would, I'm sure you have the same experience. And winning kind of occurs on two levels. Winning occurs when someone gives you a really great assignment. I mean, yeah. I've gotten a couple of really great ones recently. Yeah. Uh, and that always makes you feel good because you know that, you know, that there's, you know, there's, com- there's a confidence level, you know, behind that, which was, sure. the, you know, access to your being given the assignment. And then, of course, the other thing is, uh, you know, I mentioned this process. Uh, I, for years and years, the worst thing you could say to me if you were the client was that the research results are coming in tomorrow. Clearly, I would not sleep that night because I just hated research and I hated, you know, waiting for research results. That was the actually the motivating factor behind putting that process together that I described to you a few moments ago. And since having done that, since having, you know, identified that process, I, I I sleep pretty well now when I know the research results are coming in because once we've done this process with these 24 target consumers, I have a really high level of confidence that it's going to score well in research, and we do it. We 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 literally score well every time, and that's primarily because we've done we've worked this process. Sure. So yeah. when we score well in research, and then when it when it does well and it hits the shelf, that that really you know those two things those are really very rewarding as well. Is there one key secret to successful marketing? What I've discovered uh, is that over over a period of time, in fact, I just started to write a new book. I was speaking in Sri Lanka a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and and I what I did is I structured the present, I structured the speech such that that I that I when I started the speech, I indicated that that there were a large number of of uh, of insights that I had developed over a period of time, right. and uh, there were two in particular that I was going to put into this presentation, and I went on and on and on. Now, when we took the noon break, the organizers of the event came up to me and they said, "Well, how many are there? You know, are you you know are you getting are you getting them all in today?" And you know, so on and so forth. And they were so interested in 
numbers, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, and actually that was one of the distinctions that we had was that we had discovered that metrics really, you know, have a tendency to be very powerful. If Absolutely. you can say, yeah. you know, 20% of this and 10% of that or 100% of this or whatever, those, yeah. using those numbers seems to validate something. Anyway, long story short, uh, ultimately they said, well, how many are there? And I said, well, there are 24. And as it turns out, you know, I started writing another book, and the title of the book is going to be 24. So there, there really are a lot of uh, a lot of them. And what's interesting, of course, is that is that you know, the, you know, no one or two seem to always always be you know that key that one key thing. Uh, I, I would say there are a few that certainly show up a lot, and you know, uh, uh, one of them is one of them that seems to be missing. In terms of almost every selling proposition that I encounter, you know, you and I could go through a supermarket and look at all the packages on the shelf, or we could drive down the street and look at all the, you know, presentations, the marketing presentations of storefronts, one after another after another, and we will we will not likely find what we refer to as a benefit anywhere in there. In other words, no one talking about what's in it what's in it for the consumer yeah it's always it always a laundry list of all of the features of the product yep. which are important of course but they leave the consumer out of the sales message and quite frankly you know uh if you and i if we went to a party and we ran into somebody and all they did was talk about themselves you know yep all, all evening long, you and I are gonna are not gonna have a good time at that party <laughs> because we are interested in ourselves, you know. Yeah, that's right. So, so it's a lot to think about, and that I would say that's probably the most common. But there certainly are a lot, and like we've kind of identified or corralled twenty four over a period of time. We've got to you've got to make an emotional connection with your client or you're dead. Absolutely, and and that's exactly where it is. That's where it is. It's in it's in the benefit. Yeah, it's in the benefit. You know, uh, you know. There's a really great example, and I, I'll bet you're familiar with this. In the United States, there are two uh, there are two companies that are beating each other up over selling suits. Yeah, and one of them is called uh, Three Day Three, three day, day Suit Broker. Broker. Yeah, Three Day Suit Broker. Now, you know, what's the message with the Three Day Suit Broker? Well. There's, you know, because it's called a broker. I guess there's an inference that it's it's a good price, and three days, I guess, means that's how quickly you get. So, so the selling proposition there is about getting a getting a good price in three days. That the yes. other guy is Men's Warehouse. Yeah. And you know, um, who hasn't? If you've been in the United States for five minutes, you've heard. You know, uh, I think his name is George Zimmer. He's good too. I like him. He he just sounds so credible. He does the the ads himself, and he sticks his head in. And you know, I think he's (laughs) he's terrific. You know, he has an honest voice, very much like yours. I think you're right. And he said, and what does he say? He says, you know, you're going to like the way you look. I yep. guarantee it. Yeah. Now, you know, if you know, if one of them is ten blocks to the left and the other is ten blocks to the right, I'm going to go where I like the way I look. That's for Me sure. Too. You know. So absolutely. Yeah. You know, and there's a, a huge lesson to be learned there, but I have to say it goes it goes right over the heads of most people because when you're when you're organizing your message, uh, of, you know, of, of your selling proposition or your pitch. You're all, it's always, always, your mind is always, you know, into yourself and talking about your product and, you know, or your service or whatever it is. It's about you. You're wanting to get it all in and you're wanting to get it organized properly and so forth. And of course, what happens is you just leave the customer completely out. Yeah. So 
how many books have you written? I've only written one. I, I wrote I wrote a book uh, about about a year and a half ago. That's doing pretty well. Doing really well electronically. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, I got a note from Amazon. Uh, you know, but two months ago, indicating that eighty percent, a little over eighty percent of their books now that they sell are electronic. Which I was just blown away by that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, just one book. So do you enjoy it? Uh, you know, I. I do. I think I, I think I can write books as long as they're stream of consciousness. You know, they just kind of flow out and you let them go. And yeah, I made, I made the mistake with my last book of trying to improve it and improve it. It took me nine years to write Kick-Ass. And so my publisher came <laughs> back and said, you know, would you write another book? And I thought, oh, God, it's just such a chore, you know, because you're conscious, of, you're conscious of the fact oh. that the people that are going to read it are your peers, and therefore, you know, you've got to be accurate, you've got to make sense, you've got to be practical and tell them something that they don't know. <laughs> and I find Absolutely. that yeah. unbelievably it hard. Is. It's a lot of work. It's a, it is a lot of work, and that's why I said, uh, you know, for me, if it's a stream of consciousness, if it just flows out of me, it, yeah. it'll work because... I I had been you know my, my two sons had requested that I write a second book and I I was having the same experience that you were I was resisting it and then and then all of a sudden this whole thing happened in Sri Lanka and the number twenty four came up and I said well that's the title of the book and I'll just sit down and write it so uh, so it turns out I went to Bali for the next couple of weeks and uh, spent a little time on the beach surfing and I wrote the first five chapters while I was sitting there it was very easy to do it just flowed right out how good is that make sure I get a copy absolutely now, what's the What's the difference between big corporate marketing and small business marketing? You know, it's a great question, and uh, and uh, and I hear that one frequently. Uh, and 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 part of my effort, well, actually, all of my effort on the book that I wrote is called Pull, was to repurpose everything that I've done for big corporations so that they're appropriate for you know small and medium sized businesses. My experience uh, up to this point in time, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it as well. Uh, are that uh, there is no difference. There is absolutely no difference. In terms of the insights and the distinctions and what works and what doesn't work, you know, the only difference is the magnitude of the sales volume. Other than that, you know, the, you know what we just discussed relative to uh, people, you know, people not using benefits, that, that uh, I don't think it matters what it is you're selling or who you're selling it to or how big or small you are. And my feeling is is that all of the, all the other 20 of the insights that I've developed over time have the exact same, you know, have the exact same impact on both. There is one difference, which is an interesting one. Uh, and what this one is, is that is that there's almost, almost no marketing expertise in small companies. Yeah, exactly. And the reason for it, I think the reason for it, uh, can it, it just goes back to college. You know, people go to colleges and universities and they get degrees in marketing and they graduate and they make, you know, fill out resumes and where do they go? They go to corporate America and yeah. they go, I mean, they get corporate jobs all over the world and none of them go to, you know, a guy who owns a small supermarket chain in Des Moines, Iowa or, you know, a chain of 10 bookstores in, you know, in Cincinnati yeah. or, you know, they just don't go though to those places. So those people, they'll have people who work for them who have a marketing title and those people, those people don't really have much of a marketing background. And so 
So the the fundamental, the most fundamental of marketing principles, which uh, one would think uh, you know exist sort of just you know pretty much intuitively anywhere, are are actually missing in small businesses. They're just gone. They're not even there. In fact, I think if you ask, if you walk into you know, I have I have a friend who owns four dry cleaning stores, and if you walk in and ask Steve to, to tell you what marketing is, he would. He would think he would he would stumble. He wouldn't be able yeah. to tell you what marketing is. Yeah, just wouldn't be able to. So okay. that's the bit to me. That's the only difference is, is there's no marketing, you know, no marketing talent to speak of in small, medium-sized companies. It's interesting that um, you know I, I gave a presentation earlier and I was talking about the fact that 98 percent of all businesses go broke, and 72 percent of those go broke because not because they haven't got a great product or because they haven't got the funds. The reason they go broke is because of fundamental business and marketing principles. They don't wake up in the morning and say, today I've got to sell somebody something. Um, I used to work for a multi-millionaire for a number of years, multi-billionaire actually, for a number of years, and at the end of each day we used to have to write down what I did today that actually made the company a dollar. And it's really eye-opening because you sit there and you say, I got in early at 7.30, I've worked my butt off all day, I've been really frantically busy. Now, what did you do that actually made a dollar? Um, let me think about this for a minute. And it's, it, it's amazing <laughs> how few people concentrate on marketing and selling. They concentrate yeah. on all the other stuff. Um, uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So absolutely right. have you um, discovered any unusual marketing insights? Well, uh, you know, uh, out of those 24 that I mentioned, uh, there are definitely some that I think are unusual or out of left field and just kind of showed up, particularly uh, given that, you know, I developed this process of, you know, deconstructing the selling proposition and then sort of watching what happens with all these bits and pieces as we expose them to target consumers. There are two that come to mind. One of them is gender, and I think... This one is completely undiscovered. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a graduate marketing school on the planet that even knows about this. And I'll share it with you. Uh, what, what it is is that what we discovered, what we discovered is that, and you know, and you know, of course, that women, you know, are responsible for, you know, 80% of the purchases of, you know, all the, you know, the consumer goods and services that are out there. And this, and this is working with women. I know I mentioned that because it is, a, it has a gender nature to it. But, uh, what we discovered is, is that there is a gender to all, all communication images. And, and it could be in any category you could think of. And it could be in, um, it could be in cat litter. And it could be in dry cleaning stores, and it could be in liquor stores. There is a gender, yep. and 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 you can expose that sales message, if you will, that selling proposition, to target consumers, and they can they can score what they think the gender is. And we developed a gender scale with a zero in the center, which would be say neutrally gendered, yep. and then a one, two, three out to the right, and that was masculine and a one, two, three to the left and that's feminine. Yep. And so what we started doing is we started asking, you know, we started getting these target consumers to tell us, you know, image A, B, C, D, or E. And let's say that that A, B, C, D, and E were across, and this is an actual case, a laundry detergent, which we launched a few months back. 
Yep. So let's say there are five different images for that laundry detergent. And what we, what we did, what we discover is that, yes, yeah, some of these are a little on the feminine side and some a little more on the masculine side. So what we also did was we had a, a completely different exercise, Bob, that, that on, over the, over the similar scale, what it did was it, it asked the same target consumer to identify maximum performance. Performance, right. okay? Yep. And what we discovered, what we discovered was that there was this perfect place on the gender scale, uh, for maximum performance. Right. And where it was, it was if the zero is in the center and if the one, two, three out to the right are masculine, it's just to the right hand side of the one on the masculine scale. So what they're telling us, what they're telling us is that, is that if is that they're using gender to to read the product performance so so if you're if you had a, a laundry detergent that let's say had a sort of a, a feminine image yes it's going that feminine image is going to be interpreted as low performance low product performance wow. and that's the last thing in the world you want if you're Absolutely. out there trying to yeah if you're out there trying to be with tide so it's very interesting to us to have discovered that. And it's only yeah. very, only very recently, you know, that we did. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. Um, Keith, it's been great speaking with you. Um, one of the, uh, reasons that in this week's show we've only got just the one interview instead of our normal two is because I believe that Keith brings so much to the table and is critical that we improve our marketing performance right across the board. And it's critical that we have marketing messages that actually compel people to buy things. And so um, Keith, I saw Keith speak, as I mentioned, and he was fantastic, and he got across a lot of fantastic messages that are of benefit to all of us. So thanks very much, mate. It's been great speaking with you. I hope I see you again at Metal soon. Thank you, Bob. I, I had a great time, and uh, let's work together sometime. I'd love I would to love do to. that. I would love to. Now, if you'd like to know more about Keith and the Chambers Group, go to www.chambersgroup.com. It's a good website, and it shows you how to um, not only engage the advertising side of the business, but also to get um, Keith as a speaker, and uh, he is a great speaker. So I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short message. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. 
Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. I really enjoyed that interview with Keith. Um, Keith and I, uh, you know, we're in the same business. Um, He's more focused on advertising and I'm more focused on marketing, but we're we're in the same business and I found that fascinating and it's, it reminded me of, um, you know, quite often I talk to clients and they um, are horrified when you tell them your fees. And uh, it, I think the interview with Keith just sh- just showed just how much work there is in uh, determining good marketing and the correct um, uh, marketing strategy to uh, to sell people stuff. And uh, and that's the ultimate goal. And it's um, it's really a very disciplined. Um, industry these days. Now, when you book Keith for a, for a presentation, um, tell them that you'd like me the following year. That'd be good. I'd like that. Now, I, I really appreciate all the emails that, that people send in each week and, uh, the great ideas that people tell us about. And, uh, we really do do our best to answer as many as we can and we answer them on air and we answer them off air as well so if I haven't answered you yet I will get around to it now 90% of the work that I do apart from this radio show um, and with speeches is working with entrepreneurs and early stage companies and that's one reason I love this email segment it doesn't matter whether you're a plumber or have a technology company whether you're in Australia or the United States or the UK or India, we've all got the same issues and this is borne out in the thousands of emails that we get. Now, I got an inquiry, well not an inquiry, I actually got a booking this morning uh, for a business presentation um, in Lagos, in Africa and uh, they want to talk about exactly the same things as the people that I spoke to the other day in Los Angeles. So um, we all have the same issues. My first email today happens to be from Stuart Appleby of Sydney, Australia, uh, which is my old hometown. And, and I still go back there pretty regularly. Hi, Bob. Terrific show. I love it. Great to see an Aussie doing so well in the US. Keep up the good work. I met you after a speech you gave in Sydney a couple of years ago at the Crystal Palace, and I learned a lot from your presentation. Well, thanks, um, Stuart, I appreciate that. He goes on to say, I have a business that has been going for a couple of years now and we are developing our own IP. My question is, how do I protect it? Well, that's a pretty good question. Um, But we have a lot of listeners in Australia and I appreciate your support from there, even though I've been gone now for the best part of 25 years. One of the things that worries entrepreneurs the most is the fear that somebody's going to uh, steal their idea. So while you can't completely eliminate the threat of intellectual property theft, there are some basic steps you can take to give yourself some protection. However, you know, you've got to be practical and realise that if somebody wants to steal it, they will, and they probably won't worry about your patent or your NDA if you've got one. I had lunch a couple of years ago with the CEO of a Fortune 500, well, more than that, he was a Fortune 20 
company who told me that, you know, if you've got the world's best idea and you're only a small company, do a joint venture or a licensing deal with somebody huge or sell it outright because a giant company like theirs will either copy it or steal it. And the cost of taking action against a huge company like them will certainly send you out of business. And I found that to be um, really good advice because, you know, the real world, once you get out in the real world um, and you're playing internationally, it's tough. It's war out there and um, you really need to safeguard your back. However, patents, copyrights and trademarks, they're a good start, but they won't stop people from stealing your IP. And uh, lawsuits can be horrendously costly if you're trying to defend it. So what other steps can you take to protect your intellectual property? Well, for starters, make sure everybody you work with signs a non-disclosure agreement, which is called an NDA, and mark all your print and online content with the appropriate notifications to show that you own the property. Um, NDAs don't put too much faith in NDAs. They don't really stand up all that often, but it is some protection, although limited. Now, there's a good chance that if you've got a great idea, somebody will try to steal your IP at some point. So the earlier you detect it, the better your chances of controlling the damage that might be done. So get out there ahead. Check constantly. Um, design a process to search for infringers perhaps on a monthly basis, and make sure that you've got a process in place for your employees to report anything that they see that they think strange with your IP, content, products, image, brand that pops up somewhere else. You know, I say check your competitors' um, websites every day, first thing in the morning, and uh, it's amazing what you can detect. So monitor social media postings as well and website traffic for any out-of-the-ordinary patterns that you'll pick up. And uh, it may not stop it, but the earlier you detect it, the better you are. So I'll send you out a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is available at bookstores and at Amazon. I think you'll enjoy it. As I said earlier, it took me nine years to write the bloody thing, so I hope you enjoy it. Now, my second email today is from Melissa Sweeney of Columbia South Carolina. Melissa writes, I attend the University of South Carolina and I've started a business which is going pretty well and I now have two part-time employees. My big issue is time. Trying to combine my studies with running the business is difficult. Melissa, it's time to let go a bit and delegate some of those responsibilities. As an entrepreneur, you want to do it yourself. You want to keep control of it. You know it better than anybody else. But as early as possible, you need to begin to turn over some of these responsibilities to somebody else so that you can focus on spending as much time as possible working on your business and not in your business. In fact, working on your business has got to be your goal if you want your company to grow. But letting go and delegating isn't easy. You know, if you're passionate and committed and, you know, you by nature an entrepreneur – but it's best to be, so it's best to begin with sort of simple time consuming tasks that you really don't need to be doing or maybe even don't want to do. So delegate those first and you'll, you'll get used to it. And as you build up trust with people, you'll delegate more and more. So tasks such as 
answering customer emails or processing online orders could be good ones to start delegating. Keep in mind that Richard Branson can often be found working in the cabin or unloading bags and Steve Jobs was famous for handling customer service requests. So whatever task you choose to delegate, do it with the same attention to detail that you do everything else. Delegate to employees who have proven to be honest and reliable. Clearly define the purpose to them, the significance of it, and the required timeline that you want to give them to complete the task. Let them know that you believe in them, but establish a method to measure success. The end result be much more empowered, enthusiastic, and committed organization with people that really will go down to the wire for you. Melissa, I'm sending you a copy of Marketing Magic, a book I wrote a couple of years ago with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson, Robert Bly, and a lot of others, and it's on its way out to you. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So send in your questions, email me at bobatbobpritchard.com, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I look forward to being again with you again at the same time next week. Until next time, have a fantastic and successful week, and let's go out and kick some butt and make a buck. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life. Thanks again.